Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, and I am here with my first cup of coffee. Today it's detox tea, because I'm back to doing a 24-hour fast today. Today is uh, Thursday, because it's fasting day, and it is November 29th, second to last day of the month. A little after 8 in the morning. I am um, glad it's fasting day. The fasting on Monday, which was an exception because of Thanksgiving. Uh, I'll be doing my weekly Thursday fasts from now on. But that made me feel much better and dropped my weight down. And then last night, I went out for um, dinner and drinks with my good friend Megan Mulry, who is also a writer. She's written the Royal Pain series, uh, which is really great. Um, oh no, it's, I think a Royal Pain was like one of the books and the series is actually called The Unruly Royals. And she did a few others, but that was really her, her um, best-selling series, USA Today list, I know. Amusingly, she said that uh, she had a nice bump in sales after uh, Harry and Meghan's wedding, which I just kind of love. Um, but her her books are always about a, a commoner marrying a royal, and usually uh, often a royal in disguise, which, you know, is just a trope that never fails to win, right? Uh, so I met Meghan at Harry's Roadhouse, which is a Santa Fe staple, and closer to my house uh, than some of the ones in town. So that's, and actually convenient to her house as well. So we often meet there. And by the time I got there, she had already ordered me a margarita. So I could hardly refuse, although I had been thinking about being good and just having wine. Uh, and then I had a, their special and excellent chicken fricassee. So I just had two mar two margaritas, um, and I should have remembered to tell them no salt. But, you know, <laughs> this morning I was up two pounds from yesterday. You know, and it's entirely that salt. It's really an extraordinary effect. But my pounds of fat was um, actually lower from yesterday. Mm -hmm. So that's one good reason to have a scale that uh, shows the body fat percentage and so forth. Because it is very true what... The ubiquitous they say that, um, you know, the weight doesn't tell the whole story. So, but it's just, I just think it's amazing. You know, two, two pounds of water is, feels, seems like a lot to me. I should look up how many ounces that it is. It's probably not that many because water is heavy. So anyway, detox tea today, yogi tea. Shall we see what the tea bag label says? It's probably something incredibly profound. It's actually not quite in English, I think. Happiness is actually an art of living which is in us. I don't know if the art of living is in us already, and happiness is the art of that. Well, it doesn't make quite sense. But you know, I think that's part of it, right? That's whole you know, sounds more profound if it doesn't actually make sense. Um, I do think that happiness is a choice. I think, um, you know, as long as you've gotten past the chemical aspects of it, 
which are very real things. But after that, you know, it's making a lot of choices for happiness. And people often think they're making choices for happiness, but they're not. They're making choices for other reasons, out of obligation or out of um, programming, uh, you know, feeling like there are things that they have to do. Very often, if you make a choice for personal happiness, you will be accused by other people of being selfish, which... You know, it's like, well, why is your happiness more important than my happiness? And, of course, there are a lot of major religious institutions dedicated to convincing you that other people's happiness is more important than your own. But if you come at it from a Taoist perspective, which is you fix yourself and then you fix the world, or you fix yourself and because if everybody fixed themselves, then we would have a good world then by ensuring your own personal happiness, that's you create happiness that then radiates out around you, which is an idea I really love and, and do try to uh, promote. And, and sometimes people say that about me. I, when I ask people um, to describe me in a word, I've been very surprised that they often say generous. And, and that means a great deal to me because I would like to be generous. I, I think that covers a lot of things of, you know, let me share happiness with you. So I want to talk, touch back just a little bit to things I talked about yesterday um, about agents and interacting with them and so forth. <laughs> and this is a falls under the department of remember that publishing is a very small community. And <laughs> so amusingly enough, uh, later in the morning, I got an email from my agent, Sarah, and it, she's Sarah Younger, Nancy Yost Literary Agency. And Sarah listened to my podcast where I had complained about her. <laughs> and of course, because Sarah is a delightful person, uh, she really is. I, I mean that in every sense. I would not say so if I didn't believe that. She said um, she apologized if she had been too abrupt and that I should know that I can always ask all the questions that I want to, which I did know. And, and I told her that I, you know, it was more about managing my own feelings about stuff where, you know, I have a, have to be careful not to you know, what do they call it? Um, self. Oh, I can't think of it now. Um, Self-eliminate? Something like that. You know, where you look at a job announcement and you decide, oh, they would never hire me. And so you, you self-eliminate. And I've noticed more calls going out saying, you know, we're definitely looking for people of color or we're definitely looking for women or non-binary or these things, please don't self-eliminate. I think they have some a better term than that, but it's close. And I think that's um, something that we all tend to do. Um, maybe women more. I think that we are kind of taught to edit ourselves so as not to bother people. And so I have to notice my knee-jerk reaction on that um, by saying, you know, not saying, well, you know, I shouldn't be bothering her because I do know intellectually that Sarah doesn't mind answering my questions and I need to not read in 
which is what I was doing. And so everything is fine. And I do appreciate her, her generosity in reaching out to me, which is an example of why she's a terrific person. I mean, she makes an effort to answer all of her emails and answers them quickly. And many agents do not do that. Um, and I think that a different person might have heard that and not said anything to me. But Sarah meets things head on in a very honest and open-hearted way. And it's always good to air those things. I think um, I often hear authors say things like, oh, you know, I'm afraid of my agent. I've heard people say that. Well, you know, when I say, well, you should ask your agent about that. And they say, well, I'm afraid of my agent. You know, it's like, well, if you're afraid of your agent, that's not a good relationship. You should be able to talk about those things. And so it's good that I could say that and that Sarah and I could work it out, although it didn't take much working. Uh, the other aspect of this is to, you know, I just, I, I told Sarah that I was both pleased and chagrined that she had listened to the podcast because it never occurred to me that she would spend her time, which is incredibly valuable, listening to my podcast. But one way that Sarah's a good agent is she does really watch her author's social media. Uh, so it should have occurred to me that she would maybe listen and she says she doesn't always, but she does sometimes. And she also said she really liked it and wouldn't have me change anything. Because one thing I told her was that um, I really do want to be honest on this podcast about what an author's life is like day in and day out. And then include those ups and downs and sort of remove some of that shiny gloss of how we like to represent the life to people. Um, so... So it's a it's a good rule to know that um, when you put things out there, you know, it it is a small community, and it is entirely possible that you know you if you complain about your agent to somebody, your agent will very likely hear. And uh, along the lines of that, uh, an agent was tweeting the other day, uh, Joanna Volp. I think I got her last name right. Volp Volp. I'm not looking at it right now, but I'm close. Uh, and I believe Sarah actually retweeted this, but Joanna said that uh, it had come to her attention that a querying author was notifying agents that they had an offer of representation from Joanna and that this was not true. So there's some funny things here, and it's an important take-home message because... One, if you, it, it is fine to query multiple agents at a time. Your time is valuable. It's good for you to do that. Uh, and if you have an offer, offer on the table, an offer on the table is terrific for uh, spurring other agents to act and editors. You know, that's absolutely true. However, it needs to be a real offer. Uh, Concurrent to that, if you receive an offer from an agent, you should let everybody else know, or from an editor, you should let everybody who has your manuscript know. Uh, that's a professional courtesy that really cannot be skipped. You have to tell them, I have an offer on the table. And and it, it can be great to, to spur uh, you to the top of the pile because m most people will say they'll 
either say, okay, I'm just going to, you know, congratulations, I'm going to bow out, uh, which is fine. Or they might say, can I have a few days to read your manuscript? Um, and very often, I, it, I know many authors that this has happened to where they've received an offer of representation from one agent. They ended up moving to the top of the pile for someone else. And they ended up going with another agent who they felt was a better fit. Um, and that's fine. That's legit. However, lying about it is not legit. And and it was funny to see the responses to this because the first thing that everybody said was, well, that author must have no idea how small publishing is, which I think is true. I think that they think, oh, who's going to know? Nobody's going to know. But the thing is, is that they will. And uh, Sarah had added to her retweet that she with an interesting story where she had offered representation to an author. And then like half a year later, she was at a conference and another agent came up to her and said, I'm so happy you signed so-and-so. I love their work. I offered representation to them too. And Sarah had known that the author had another offer on the table, but um, she didn't know who it was. But you know, this, these, this will happen. Uh, agents have conversations with each other because it is a fairly rarefied profession, just like authors are going to have conversations with each other. So um, don't do that. Don't think that you can play one hand against the other because the world is simply just not that big. Um, so then moving on to report on Sorcerer's Moons is coming along. I did make my word count yesterday, so that was good. Um, one thing I wanted to, to mention is just that, um, you know, it's very interesting to me to, to rebuild the writing habit, even though, and I know I talk about this a lot, but I have, even though I have a very good writing habit, I can really when I start ramping back up into writing again, writing consistently and a lot, uh, I can really see the ways in which I have backslid. It really takes um, effort to train my attention and concentration again, which writing really needs. Um, I can feel my attention wandering. It's not the story. And yesterday felt like a little bit of a tooth pulling day, but I think that might have been just because my attention was really just not on the um, on the writing. It kept wandering. I kept wanting to look at the internet, and I think it's important to remember that uh, that social media and the internet in general is entirely designed to grab your attention to grab our attention. That's that's its purpose in life. I mean, it's, <laughs> that's how everything is designed. It's to grab your attention and keep it. So if I go to Facebook, <clears throat> excuse me, to look at a, like someone messages me on Facebook, and I will look at that and reply to their message, and then I'll find myself starting to scroll down through Facebook. And it's um, 
almost without a conscious choice. And that's because it's deliberately designed to draw you in that way. And you have to consciously fight it. There's just no other way around it because uh, it, it, it kind of goes back to that same thing I was talking about yesterday with being aware of, you know, what your best interests are and what their best interests are. Well, their best interest is are to keep your attention. They want to keep your attention, your focus, your money. Um, they work out to the same things, and you have to to battle it. You have to say, no, you don't get to have my attention. My attention is valuable, and I'm going to put it on what I want to put it on. And this becomes very true for writing overall because, uh, you know, attention is a valuable commodity and we pretend like it's not, but the people who make it into a real commodity who, who figured out ways to monetize your attention uh, do know this. Your family wants your attention too. The people who love you want your attention. Your friends want your attention and you have to decide because you want their attention too. <clears throat> but you have to figure out what is um, what's serving everyone's best interests, and it's. I hear this a lot from people. I'm I'm fortunate that I, you know, just live alone with my husband now, so the bids for my attention are pretty low, and he's very good about trying not to distract me. But you know, people talk all the time about how you know their family comes up with myriad small ways to try to grab their attention, especially if you're doing something like writing, which I think they can feel takes your attention away. I always think about, um, oh, now I'm not going to be able to think of her name, Ursula Hagee. I did think of her name, who wrote Stones from the River, and she also wrote a great, great memoir that, um, well, it was kind of like a half memoir, half fictional story, but anyway, she talks about her, uh, child how she would close her office door so she could write and her child would lie on the floor outside her office door and breathe through the crack under the door <laughs> yeah and and she would have to do her best to ignore it you know and the child knew exactly what they were doing so that I hear people excusing their children sometimes, you know, and saying, oh, well, they don't understand. They don't know. Oh, yeah, they do. And we are all well geared to find ways to uh, garner attention and have people give us what we want, give us what we need. So, I don't know that I have much else to say today. I'm going to get to it, uh, get my word count done today, head to yoga this afternoon, I hope. Uh, maybe go do a little Christmas shopping gasp. So I hope you all have an excellent Thursday. Um, one more day to go to end out the week and end out the month. And it's um, we are slated for snow tomorrow, so I shall report in. It might be a very snowy weekend good day to do some uh, put up the inside Christmas decorations maybe you all take care and thank you for sharing my first cup of detox tea with me talk to you tomorrow bye bye